Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast contains explicit language. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Big sweet music. Yep. Jason. What? Yes. <laughs> Welcome to our <laughs> poetry slam. <laughs> it's 1993 and you're feeling optimistic. It sounds cool. <laughs> Bill Clinton is president and the Republicans haven't taken control of the house yet. Are you walking your dog? Or is your dog walking you, man? And that's called Commodity Futures Modernization <laughs> Act. <laughs> So that happened. This week, Donald Trump provided us with some evidence that he might really be a serious candidate by doing a thing that serious candidates do, release a tax plan that claims to benefit some people when it really benefits others. The media really made a hash out of explaining this, so we're going to fix that. Meanwhile, this week, the House Oversight Committee erupted into furor over Planned Parenthood, staging an all-day marathon of angry blather. Are we headed for a government shutdown over this? We'll talk to Wisconsin Representative Reed Ribble, who wants to defund the organization, but doesn't want to shut the government down to do so. Finally, Elizabeth Warren is not running for president, but she's still putting fools on blast on your behalf. And her latest takedown really illuminates how this entire town is basically built on a foundation of cheap and chummy corruption. I'm Jason Lincolns with Huffington Post reporters Jen Bendery, Zach Carter, and Arthur Delaney. And here's what happened first. Hey, everybody. It's So That Happened, your favorite podcast. Yay. Yay. The kitty on your mantle purring at you, sweetly begging for food. Welcome back, Zach Carter. From, Feed me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Zach Carter. He's been away for, what, a month? Two weeks, but it felt like a month. It felt like a month. He, it, he was gone while the Pope was here. They switched places. Yep. Yeah, I was literally at the Vatican the day he was in D.C., and uh, I, I brought them a lot of uh, confusion and corruption, and they brought us peace and love. Well, there you go. And Arthur Delaney is here, too. Hey, and we're all uh, nervous because Hurricane <laughs> Joaquin is on its way. It's walking our way. Wow, that sucked. We will maybe not avoid it. It's going to uh, rain a lot. It's going to suck. Yeah, so on next week's podcast, we're wet. Deal with it. Uh, but on this week's <laughs> podcast, we're talking about all kinds of well, big, big things. Yeah, yes. It's it's been a really I I was hoping to ease into you know my post vacation first week back and it's just been bonkers. While you were in Italy, did you convince any Italian politicians to retire? No, because that literally one. was your job I, while you were in Italy. <laughs> because the Pope did his job. Oh, so who who uh, are you are you referring to the Speaker of the House? I am referring to Speaker of the House and Barman Extraordinaire John Boehner, who uh, last week. Uh, really did not. John Boehner really kind of fucked us because he did. <laughs> he 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 stepped. He announced his retirement the day after we had recorded everything. Well, the so, fallout has continued into this. Yeah, week. but I mean, he knew he knew our podcast was happening. He could have given us the heads up. Mm. So his retirement 
takes sh- the immediate government shutdown off the table, replaces it with the shutdown in two months. Yeah. And this guy, Kevin McCarthy, who is really bad at talking, will be his replacement. <laughs> and people are getting to know Kevin McCarthy, and, and Hill reporters have always sort of known that. Better hair, worse talker. Better hair, uh, much worse talker. Really, I will give this to Kevin McCarthy, some of the best hair on Capitol Hill. And that... It's it's kind of not a good place for good hair. Now Kevin McCarthy this week committed a uh, major gaffe, and when everyone started calling it a gaffe, I was like, "Wait, what? <laughs> this is a gaffe?" Because he said that, uh, you know, what what have you accomplished? Well, the Benghazi committee is tanking Hillary Clinton in the polls, right? And the political establishment was like. Oh, dude, you're not supposed to say that out loud. It's like a Kinsley. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I was really surprised that that people were upset by that because it, I'm that, a little it surprised was, that anyone isn't walking around with that as the first assumption of what the Benghazi hearings. Are. I thought everyone was right. that everyone knows the Benghazi committee is a Hillary attack vehicle <laughs> and a good one. It turned up this whole email story, which also is dogging Hillary Clinton this week, and is a real story. It yep, is a real, real story. story legitimate we, issue. we endorse the Hillary Clinton email scandal as a scandal. Maybe, maybe not the worst scandal ever, but it's a real scandal. I mean, it's a, it, it, the emails that come out basically just confirm that the TV show Veep is totally real. Right. It's not the content of the email so much as the security issues involving the emails being outside government oversight on a private server. Right. Um, and that's pretty significant. Um and it's you're crediting the Benghazi committee with too much. We know that. We know about this because of a hacker, Guccifer. That's the reason we know about this. It's not the, you know, it's not the oh, inter- hearing it. Interesting, but the, uh, the Benghazi committee did shovel more of these emails into the public eye than right. Guccifer did. But that is a strong point. We'll see if they really care so much about the security issues or if they were really hoping to find, like, the email that said, I did Benghazi. <laughs> I ordered the stand down. Stand down troops. <laughs> it will help me. I said, let's let's definitely kill our own State Department employees. <laughs> like I think to win the election. <laughs> ah, this It's all going to work out according to my beautiful master plan. Uh, I think there may be Maybe there's one or two of them. Sincerely it is. It is nice that nobody talks about the, the original Benghazi conspiracy theory anymore. That has stopped. Uh, that that from 2012 was that the Obama administration deliberately orchestrated this thing in order to steal the election uh, and and have a have a good PR event. It made no sense. Uh, and and it was uh, it, it's gone the way this of is, Fast gone. and Furious. This is yeah. maybe a discussion that we should have uh, at a later date with our good friend. Uh, Spymaster Ali Watkins, but I think that like legitimately, what bungs up the truth about finding out what happened in Benghazi is the fact that CIA was probably involved in Benghazi, and so there's information that can't come to light because it's classified. Well, anyway, Kevin McCarthy, huge gaffe, I guess. Yeah, huge gaffe, I guess. The more the more pressing question is, of course. Uh, <laughs> Is there going to be some kind of like weird palace coup attempt at the heir apparent, Kevin McCarthy? Yes, and it does look like that will happen. I mean, no matter who takes this job, everyone's going to hate your guts. Because blame you for everything. Can I just say that, like a few people, I've always had like a weird soft spot for John Boehner. And one of the reasons is, is that people keep talking about capping him and then no one shows up to do so. No one steps up and be like, I'll be the guy. You know, they're all like, 
in a room, these people who don't like John Boehner, someone's got to do something about this guy who's super conservative but isn't mean enough. Yeah. And none of them have the guts to step out and say, I'll be the guy to take on John Boehner. I also have a Boehner soft spot. I favor Boehner. I don't. I think he gets a, he, get, he gets this great... Uh, rep for being so, some sort of like uh, amazing leader just because he's not a complete lunatic uh, and because the people in his caucus are complete lunatics. Nobody makes you work for those guys. Uh, no, nobody, nobody forces you to get up and do that every single day. Uh, he has spent an entire career in Congress working for the most powerful, wealthiest corporate interests in Washington. Uh, and his, his centrist image is largely based on his ability to deliver favors to those powerful corporate interests instead of going around, running around, screaming about Planned Parenthood uh, like the rest of his colleagues are doing right now. And you're right. Jeffrey Tubin made this argument most forcefully when and he said, you know, we could have had immigration reform and like 20 other things that everyone agreed would be all right, but we didn't. Because this one person decided not to let it happen. Well, uh, I, I want to talk about another person who is, uh, I would question whether the leader v. lunatic levels are correctly projected in the public eye. Our good friend and 2016 uh, candidate and uh, uh, roasted marshmallow man, Donald Trump. Mm, you left out racist. Oh, yeah, racist. You left birther. out birther who says vaccines cause autism. <laughs> right, and presidential candidate. Somehow, because this country is mostly listing towards the garbage can, <laughs> that's why this is happening. So Donald Trump this week, he put out a tax plan. And, you know, here's what I'll say about that. I think now he maybe is trying to send a signal, I want to be a real Republican candidate because this tax plan does what real Republican candidate tax plans do. It purports to do one thing and actually does another. It's crazy. Um, I is it say, any more crazy than some of the tax plans? Is it crazier than 999? It is it is a difference uh, in, I would say, degree rather than in, in category or kind. Um, if you look at, say, Jeb Bush's tax plan, which was released just a couple weeks earlier, um, before I left for Rome, uh, Jeb, Jeb Bush uh, ha- wants to do totally crazy things. I mean, uh, the Tax Foundation, which is a very conservative uh, think tank that has received a lot of money from the Koch brothers, um, uh, they, they said that, you know, that the Jeb Bush plan would add trillions of dollars to the national debt, trillion with a T, uh, between like one and a half and three and a half, depending on whether or not you take into, you, you, you accept their kind of uh, starry-eyed conservative growth projections. Um, I mean, conservative policy, not like they, they have modest, project, you know, reasonable projections for growth. Um, they that, that's that's one and a half to three and a half trillion dollars. Donald Trump's same same foundation, tax foundation, the analysis they gave for Donald Trump uh, was between ten point two trillion and twelve trillion dollars added to the national debt. Because well, he took the numbers from Jeb's plan and just made them better. <laughs> yeah. Jeb wanted a twenty-eight percent top marginal rate. Trump wants twenty-five. Wow, how'd you think of that? It's amazing. And and he's gonna make all of this paid for. I mean, when when this thing came out, just to put this in perspective, okay. The Jeb Bush plan is not a serious plan. It's his brother's tax cuts on steroids. It's totally nuts. His brother would be embarrassed by it. The, the, the Donald Trump plan, we talk about adding $10 trillion to national debt, total outstanding federal debt owned, by, you know, owed to the public is $13 trillion as the total national debt. Donald Trump is talking about 
almost doubling it at the $12 trillion Okay, metric. okay, okay, okay. But I, look, I don't want to talk about Jeb Bush's low energy tax plan right now. Let me, this is, okay, the, the Financial Times, their headline says that Trump's plan is a populist tax overhaul plan. And ABC News reports that Donald Trump is calling for higher taxes on the wealthiest Americans. These are pretty important news organizations. The Financial yeah. Times, they know how to count. So uh, I guess this is great, right? The, the reporting on the Trump plan was very gaff. What? It was, what? It was terrible. Uh, because, what? It was bad? Well, because Trump had created this fake populist persona of himself and he had said oh my god we're gonna hike taxes on hedge fund managers is this like reporting the prepared remarks before you hear them and then you find out that the prepared remarks were wrong no it's worse than that it's worse it's it's, it's actually just <laughs> wait you are saying that caring. big wait, wait. media organizations like the financial times and abc news got this wrong and the new york times and, and i thought most people who wrote about it but so happens to murgatroyd you, you have this thing that increases taxes on private equity managers who have the notorious carried interest loophole the, the most money you get out of that is like a few tens of billions of dollars and that's it 20 25 billion dollars and if you cut all the uh, you cut the top marginal rates and capital gains rates and you eliminate the estate tax you're shoveling trillions of dollars into onto rich people and and the tax foundation which to just to reiterate like i i almost never cite the tax foundation when i when i'm writing yeah, economic policy tax foundation <laughs> because because it's really conservative and i think they're i think their analysis I, I i don't think it makes much sense i think the people who work there are operating in good faith but i just don't i don't think their their models make much sense um because they they have these very conservative even the liberal tax foundation. right 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 exactly um <laughs> the tax foundation says the the biggest benefits from trump's plan will go to the wealthy uh, under because the, it's so obvious. Uh, under their starry-eyed projections, the, the top 1% sees their incomes go up over 20%, while the, the poorest people see their incomes go up about 10%. Without their starry-eyed pro projections, the poorest people see their incomes go up by like 0.4%, so less than 1%, while the top 1% get, again, over 20% uh, of their of their incomes in increasing. Uh, it's it's. Clearly and obviously, a giant giveaway to to the rich. If you actually look at the uh, at the at the numbers and the hedge fund managers who are saying, "Oh no, my my carried interest thing is is gone," they can they can console themselves with the fact that they're going to be making a shitload more money anyway. They'll more than make it back after taxes. So, no, but he says it's revenue neutral, but thanks to the closing of <laughs> magical loopholes, which you won't which mind. which aren't in it because it's like three pages long. I like that. I like that the Trump has himself convinced that like he will never be affected by lobbying at all. And that once you open the tax plan, I don't know, he'll scare them off somehow. They won't Congress won't listen to them. What? Let me read you a Chuck Todd tweet because this is the most funniest thing I think I've ever read. Quote, this Trump tax plan would probably be, have been a plan Obama could have supported if forced to negotiate with a GOP Congress. Oh. What? What? Ah, Chuck, you're better than that. The Chuck, Chuck's from a planet in which numbers don't exist, <laughs> and, and in which and in which Obama, during the entire time he was forced to negotiate with the GOP Congress, wasn't being told by the GOP Congress, "We'll support a tax plan that raises taxes on everybody but the rich and blows up the deficit." Well, we all have a bad tweet every <laughs> once in a while. Yeah, take a mulligan. That's true. You can still delete it. <laughs> 
delete your Twitter. So anyway, people oh, are like, it's a Chuck serious, Todd. it's a serious tax plan, and it's like three pages long, triple spaced, and a yeah, courier yeah. new font. Like you can read it in two seconds and see that there's nothing to it. I do want to push back while we're beating up on Chuck Todd here. Um, okay, push back. This this, this idea that that Trump is is uniquely terrible in in the GOP field has some truth to it, but a lot of the things that Trump is doing. Are, are a lot of the errors he's committing, a lot of the crazy things he is saying, are being said and done to different degrees by other candidates. I mean, remember, it, he, he his plan looks like Jeb Bush's. Jeb Bush's plan is is not as irresponsible as Trump's is, not as unrealistic, but it's it's in the same you know lunatic universe. Um, and and when when he talked about foreign policy, remember that interview we did with Hugh Hewitt, that the. The, your, like, your good friend. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Uh, <laughs> a couple of uh, a couple of days after that, uh, Hewitt and Chuck Todd were on Meet the Press, and uh, and they said, you know, if another Republican candidate had done this, their their you know their whole their whole campaign would be over. There's like you know Jeb Bush, Mark Rubio, they'd be out. Well, Carly Fiorina was on Hugh Hewitt's show just after Trump did this, and screwed up, tripped over the exact same questions. Did not have did not have the answers that Trump did not have, and nobody nobody says, "My God, Carly Fiorina, she's not ready on foreign policy." Um, nobody nobody says, "My God, Jeb Bush is not ready on fiscal policy." Uh, the the entire Republican platform has been based on these these sort of uh, fantasy uh, policy prescriptions uh, for for a really long time now, and and the party doesn't pay a price for it because they're all in the same crazy tank. But Donald Trump stands out because he's a birther who says vaccines cause autism. I know. All right. Well, we may never solve this problem. <laughs> He's still in the race. He's still a front runner. Let's, right. let's be clear. Yeah. It is. It is not early anymore. It is October now. Yeah, it's still early. These numbers are going down. We'll see. Just we'll... like vaccination we'll... rates. <laughs> Life is pain. Hey guys, we'll get back to the program in just a second. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome all of you into my safe space here to thank all of you for tuning into the show and helping us to create an Inside the Beltway show for Beltway Outsiders and make it a reality. We love hearing from you. Your feedback has been such a tremendously good, positive influence on us every week. Now, you can help other people find out about this show that you're helping to build. If you are an iTunes user, please look for our show. Subscribe if you haven't. And use iTunes' widgets to rate our show and to leave us a comment. It will help people like you find this show. And we can keep building what we've got going together. So head on out to iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and say hello to us and your fellow listeners. Thanks so much, guys. And now, here's something else that happened. Hi, we're back, and we are now, Zach Carter returns. Hello. And we are now joined by our good friend and compatriot, Jen Bendry. Hi. Welcome, Jen. Welcome, Zach, uh, back. We are going to now talk about uh, what, what's been just like a ginormous uproar this week in Congress. It's been an uproar for past month, but this week, Congress, they had the House Oversight Committee brought Cecile Richards from Planned Parenthood in. Uh, for one of those sessions where everyone in Congress, like, comes in with their preconceived opinions and shouts them at a person. It, I tend to think of congressional hearings sometimes as, like, midnight basketball for Congress critters, the way you 
kept people off the street. They would do harm to actual human beings and human endeavors <laughs> if they didn't have these opportunities to like sit in a room and yell like crazy idiots at a person. But uh, it's been a big issue. We sp- And Arthur Delaney and I, we just want to start by saying Arthur Delaney and I uh, spoke earlier to uh, Wisconsin Republican Congressman Reed Ribble, who does support taxpayer, no taxpayer funding for Planned Parenthood, but is not of the mind that anyone should be shutting the government down over this. Let's listen to our interview with Congressman Ribble. You are uh, a member of the House Freedom Caucus. You have not signed this letter, however, this famous letter calling for uh, defunding Planned Parenthood at all costs. Yeah, I I did not sign it because I don't think that's the correct strategy to to get to what I think is a win, and that is not having taxpayer dollars going to Planned Parenthood. Now, taxpayer dollars by law don't go to the objectionable thing that Planned Parenthood does in the eyes of Republicans. You can say abortion if you like. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, abortion, sure. Okay, abortion. Uh, No federal money goes for that, but you, you are one of those who says money is fungible, so of course it's subsidizing abortion. Well, of course, if, if you have uh, uh, any type of enterprise, including Huffington Post, any type of enterprise, if, if money is coming from one source and it pays all the, the expenses, then money that comes from another source can be used for something else. Otherwise, that money would have to go to pay for expenses. I'm, I'm just saying that uh, the idea that money coming from these very, various sources can be segregated inside a business, uh, after running my own company, which had five different operating divisions, to, to try to make that case with me is one that isn't going to work. Could you simply just uh, require Planned Parenthood to provide fund accounting to ensure that money that it receives, uh, an equal amount, is, is they could trace it, show what it's going to, actually put dollars to a process? If, if, if that's possible, but we, right now it looks like we've got at least some evidence, I think until the, uh, until the full investigation is over, that Planned Parenthood may have been breaking the law so given that behavior that we saw, I think we need to find out whether or not Planned Parenthood would follow those rules, in fact, if we set those up. Uh, what might be a better solution is to, to actually uh, make it illegal for the transfer of human body parts for profit. Why do you make say... Sure that, make sure that it can't happen. And, and for profit uh, and not what, what Planned Parenthood says is they're getting compensated for the costs of transporting it. I mean... Do you think that the profit angle has really been proved? I don't know that. I don't know that a Planned Parenthood employee would say that she's going to buy her Lamborghini, even though she said that in jest on just transportation costs. If it was just recovering costs, and so that's why I think we have to go through this process and find out. Well, what exactly has been going on? Well, let me ask you a question. You talked about how you didn't sign the letter because uh, you didn't think it was a strategy to getting what you call a win. How do you get a win in this environment? Whatever you pass is going to get vetoed immediately. Well, I'm not sure it would. I think you have to say, what is it that Democrats really want that they might want more than they want this? And let's face it, this is you're looking at a $3.8 trillion budget. Uh, Maybe there's something else that they might prefer to have. What if we said to them, you know what, we'll go ahead and we'll break the cap on domestic spending and put a billion dollars towards women's health care through, through um, community health clinics. We'll, we'll double down on the money for women's health care. There hasn't been a lot of um, examples that I could point to in the past 
where these kind of confrontations have ended in what I would call some sort of deal that put something on the table for the vanquished party. Uh, so what what is it about this in particular makes you do you think that would be enough to get the Democrats to essentially tell their base don't vote for us ever again? Um, I, I, I don't know what the base would think if they were able to triple funding to community health clinics, which are way more of than Planned Parenthood, um, because that money ends up in all those urban areas at triple the dollar rate. And so I don't know that we've actually tried to come up with a strategy that would sit down with Democrats and say, listen, we've got half the U.S. population that really feels these videos uh, are, are revealing something about Planned Parenthood that they didn't know before. Is there something that we can do that would actually transfer and get to the objective of women's health care that you're looking to have that would also solve the problem that we have? But there's so little of that that goes on in Congress of actually talking to each other to find what a path forward might be that could result in a win for both sides. I'm just pointing out that to the to the to the base in question, they would see uh, abortion as a component of women's health care. Yeah, some some might in fact see that as a uh, a component of women's health care. And, and and so then what I would say to them in response is if in fact that Planned Parenthood has all this these great services that they're offering and those tiny amounts of money that they claim are actually going to abortion, there are probably plenty of private sector opportunities for them to have that funded some other way. So the government... So Planned Parenthood doesn't believe enough in themselves to take it to the to the marketplace. The government funding crisis, uh, you know, we were wondering if there'd be a shutdown at the end of the month, but it's apparently been forestalled by John Boehner resigning. But it's going to come back in December, and, and a lot of people think that that will be when... It, you know, the poop will really hit the fan over Planned Parenthood. Where do you stand at that point? I think it's going to depend on what that entire omnibus package looks like. And that, that is the, the very place, not the CR, what we're doing today, but the full omnibus spending when you're dealing with the entire federal government, that is the place where the negotiation must happen. And so uh, right now, Mitch McConnell and John Boehner have been uh, meeting with the President of the United States to see if they can find a path forward. Uh, they're going to have to figure out if there's going to be a busting of the of the 2011 law that that sets the caps on discretionary spending. If they're if they're planning on breaking through that cap threshold, they're going to have to tell us how they're going to pay for it. Democrats are going to want to know how you're going to pay for defense. Uh, Republicans are going to want to know how you're going to pay for other domestic priorities. And so we have to see what that package looks like. And I wouldn't rule out that Planned Parenthood could be, could be part of that negotiation. So you don't think this is you don't think this gets resolved even in the moment today? No, listen, this this dispute on Planned Parenthood has been going on for thirty years. It's so it's not going to be resolved today until Republicans change tactics on how they resolve it. It sounds like you're you might be of a mind with Mitch McConnell, who said we've got to wait till we have a Republican president to really uh, get what we want on this. Although there have been plenty of Republican presidents that have that have funded Planned Parenthood, but they funded them absent the videos, but. Um, I'm not sure that that's exactly the, the total solution. I think the total solution is to find out what it is that Democrats value more. And we've never asked the question. Well, they definitely value the base that shows up to vote for them. Yeah, well, the, the, I imagine you do value your base, too. 
But when I talk about Democrats, I'm talking not just about Democrats in Congress, but Democrats writ large. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about as well. Sure, sure. sure. And, and that, that's, that's a question that's never been asked them. I think we should ask it. All right. Congressman Reed Ribble from Wisconsin, thank you so much for joining us. It was good talking to you. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, so that so that was that was uh, that was Wisconsin uh, Republican Reed Ribble. We appreciated him coming on. Just want to point out that one of the things you know when uh, I talked about being skeptical mm. that the Democrats would deal away anything that might upset their base after the fact. Both Arthur and I realized that. There's actually precedent for what Congressman Rule was talking about. Back, uh, it wasn't long ago that Obama, needing to ink a budget deal, did famously give John Boehner Washington abortion. I'll give DC you abortion. DC abortion, John. Yeah, so, line, right? so, so I don't think Ribble's entirely off base when he says that there's a possibility that Democrats might wheel and deal on this. To get something in exchange, I don't know. But... We're, we're, we're sneaking up on a, a presidential election. Uh, it's not 2011 anymore. I think it's very, very unlikely that the Democrats will give anything away at this point. But, you know, a boy can dream, right? And it, it, I think it might be somewhat undercut by the fact that they've publicly had this huge fight over Planned Parenthood. Yeah. And now people are invested in it. I also don't think going after D.C., which is what everybody in Congress likes <laughs> to do when they can't do anything that affects the whole country, is not the same as defunding the entirety of Planned Parenthood. <laughs> I mean, D.C. is always a convenient whipping boy or whipping girl, you know, for people who want to go after abortion issues or guns or, or, I mean, or voting or weed. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, we can't really get anything through. Let's just pass something that hurts D.C. And that's because you know? Congress has control over D.C.'s budget, so they can do things like that, which they can't do to, like, Kansas or Washington State. Uh, <laughs> but... But I mean, and also people don't like people who live within inside the Beltway because you know the whole industry here is built around corruption and sleaze. Uh, but but all that said, I mean, when we talk about defunding Planned Parenthood, it I, I get kind of frustrated with the way the the debate is structured because it's not like Planned Parenthood just walks up to like Congress one day and says, "Okay, I'm ready for my for my my free government funding check." Congress, right? They, they have to provide actual services to people, and the way they get compensated is, you know, they they provide a medical service, and then the Medicaid program reimburses the doctors at the Medicaid rate for that service. So it's you know you hear all these these arguments. Well, well, the money is fungible, and and they get you know if they're getting a a, a dollar for for health screenings, that's a dollar for abortion. Well, no, they they. They get the money because they perform the service. If, if they had not performed the service, they would not get the money. It, it just makes me, I well, think it's really weird the way this debate gets structured. And the federal money doesn't even go toward abortions. They've said this like a zillion times. People think cut off funding for Planned Parenthood because of abortion. It's like, well, not only is abortion like 3% of what Planned Parenthood does for its all of its services, but they can't legally use federal money for abortion services because of the Hyde Amendment. I mean, they can't. So if you have such a small, teeny, tiny percentage of what they do even being about abortion. And then they're not using federal money for that anyway, but they are using it for cancer screenings and STD tests and treatment. It's like, it's just, it's the most ridiculous argument. And they can't, they know this. They're just arguing about it just to keep it in the news. That's it. Right. What I find really frustrating about this story is there are several lines of argumentation that if they pursued them, if, if the Republicans had pursued them universally, I'd be really down with it, but they never do. The first is, of course, the money is fungible argument. Yeah, money is fungible. So if we're going to talk about the fungibility of money and how problematic that is, let's talk about what happens when the government, the Federal Reserve, give 
trillions of dollars to banks. And then the banks use that money. It's supposed to be bailing them out to hire an ar- army of lobbyists to come right back to Washington and fight the deregulation fight. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about fungibility of money? Well, and, and this came let's up. keep talking about it. Jason Chaffetz said, we don't want to fund Planned Parenthood because you also use money on political activity. And Which I said, whoa, really? I can get behind that. Let's definitely not give any taxpayer dollars to any organization that is involved in politics, that does lobbying, that does any kind of political activity. Let's definitely defund all those places. Let's not stop it. I will give you Planned Parenthood if we could take it away from every other person on the planet who's receiving taxpayer dollars and also... Tripping around, lobbying, you know, wheeling and dealing. Let's yeah, defund them all. I, I would even I would even take accept a more limited version of this. Only organizations that have been convicted of felonies are no longer allowed to receive that federal be... subsidies. <laughs> because it's, just, it's funny, a whole bunch of banks recently pled guilty to felonies. <laughs> JP Morgan Chase, Citigroup, Barclays. They pled, pled guilty to felonies over over uh well, I mean I was, was, what was the felony case? Was it tax evasion or was it uh, market manipulation? It, 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 you get, you get, <laughs> Blurs together, you get kind of lost in it. Like, which was the settlement where they pled guilty and which was the one where they didn't? Yeah, just, just, just limit, it, limit it to felons. That, that, that'd be fine. Planned yeah. Parenthood, interestingly, this whole, this whole mess with them, it started over accusations that they'd broken the law. And nobody's talking about that anymore. That, the, that, that part of the debate has just disappeared. Well, and it's also ridiculous because not only have they not broken any laws, but there have been all these videos out there that show how gross abortion can be and the gross fetal tissues that come from abortions, which go to help saving lives, which, by the way, we all know is happening. It's just gross to look at. But the in the hearing, like, they didn't talk about... Um, well, no, I've lost my train of thought. I'm all fired up. <laughs> What's great is that this I is, just lost we, my train of we thought. can just start that one over and edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, I, I was pissed listening to you. And then it's just poop. Uh, gr- abortions are gross. That's what you're saying. Abortions are gross and nobody would dispute that. And also nobody really wants one. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. who's out there saying like, I love abortion. There might be a few, there may be a few people that I, I don't know, maybe just they, I mean, there's someone who like gets off on or likes anything. There's probably somebody out there who like is erotically aroused by a bag of dog shit in the street. There's no, there's no helping that hey, situation. Jason. Hey, hey, sorry, Watch sorry. It. I apologize, Zach. I just Everybody, like, it's, a, it's an issue I've been wanting to bring country. up with you. <laughs> it's an issue I've been wanting to bring up with you, and, and now we're having it. We'll talk about it in a later segment. People will enjoy hearing the um, <laughs> but but there is this kind of interesting notion that these videos. I think that opponents of abortion have have sort of come to the opinion that they have a unique opportunity to either reach people who are, I guess, pro-choice but don't know what that's about or pro-reproductive rights or don't know what it's about, people who've never contemplated that, a squeamish sort of pro-choice person. And, and this will be the thing that drives them off of the idea that any money should go to Planned Parenthood. And... I think that's really, really weird because for starters, as this is something that Rebecca Traster, uh, I think, illuminated pretty eloquently this week over at, um, over at New York Magazine. Women know how reproduction works. They understand that there's a, there's a child growing inside them. They understand that if the child is stillborn uh, or if they receive an abortion for medical reasons, uh, that 
it's going you're going to be left with human tissue. And as gross as that is, that there's a massive human tissue that's no longer going to be your baby or your child or anyone's child, they understand that. They come to terms with it. All of these things are things that women have come to terms with. And they've come to terms with it a long time ago. Congress can't teach women something new about reproduction. Just today, someone uh, asked Nancy Pelosi... When did she think that a child was alive? She has five kids. She has five kids. There's nothing that reporter can explain to Nancy Pelosi about children and when they're alive that Nancy Pelosi doesn't already well, know. Well, I mean, but in that question also, I mean, this, th- th- I think basically what you're saying gets to the heart of the, the, the hubbub over this because this is not a legal issue, right? People are not asking whether Planned Parenthood has broken the law anymore. People are just saying they don't like abortion and they're selling it, saying it really, really loud. And when you ask questions like when does life begin – I think for a lot of pro-choice people, the whole point is that, you know, people have different ideas about that. That's a pretty intense spiritual question about the nature of life. And that's something they'd rather not have the government deciding for them. Um, and certainly would rather not have people like who are making deceptively edited videos decide for them. I'm really uh, going to say, I mean, the, the funny thing about the hearing yesterday or two days ago or whenever that was, it's been a long week. We're um, never supposed to talk about was, time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Time is a concept we don't need to deal yeah, with. Yeah, we exist outside um, of space. And the time. hearing lasted for five hours. I watched all of it. And oh. the the... It almost felt like uh, like I should have been high and just like sitting back looking for like little goblins to run across the screen or something because the whole premise of the hearing was supposed to be as scheduled about looking into the way Planned Parenthood receives and uses federal funding. That was the stated purpose of the hearing. It was not to talk about the videos because they couldn't they didn't bring in the guy who made the videos to testify. And the reason they said they didn't bring in the guy to testify is because they needed to go through some legal like hoops to be able to talk about the videos and what's in the videos. And they haven't seen all the videos. So therefore, they can't really talk about any of the videos until they've seen all of them. That was the justification for this hearing. So therefore, you have this whole hearing that was called because of the videos but they're not talking about the videos in the hearing and they're pretending it's just about federal money for planned parenthood and they don't let the, they don't bring in the guy who made the videos and they and they said they that they can't but we're going to go ahead and put the planned parenthood chief up here to talk about how they use federal money but we won't talk about videos but everyone's coming at her with questions about videos I mean, right. it, it's like they're just they're they're mixing up what they're doing. It's like the whole point of it had like five I just things going on the whole time. I think they've lost the thread. I think they really legitimately thought that there was a great controversy over the fact that Planned Parenthood receives reimbursements for transportation of fetal tissue. If the situation was Planned Parenthood and their partners were somehow abusing this process, if there's some kind of weird kickback, if there's something illegal going on with the financial transaction, if the tissue wasn't ending up where it was supposed to, if someone who didn't give permission for their tissue to be used for medical research uh, ended up being used for medical research, if Planned Parenthood's partners were, I don't know, using fetal tissue to upholster furniture, then there would be something that everyone would be outraged about. But when we find out, oh, the tissue has to go somewhere, oh, it could be used for legitimate medical research, okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. What's the problem? Well, I mean, but remember also— The problem is, I guess, oh, it's yucky. 
but remember, Car- Carly no, Fiorina no. though also is is making things up that are. I mean, the videos are already creating their own sort of alternate reality space. By I mean, not not even the selectively the unselectively edited quote unquote you know unedited stuff. What have we actually bad, learned right? from the videos? Really, right, right, what nothing. have we learned? What has come out of them? Abortion procedures happen, and the fetal tissue that's taken from some of them is kind of gross, but it helps to go toward research to save lives. It's have honest. we have any? Is there anything that came out of them? It's it's honestly kind of funny the whole the whole Carly Fiorina angle on this because she won't budge from the fact she won't budge off of her previous point, which is that the video depicted a thing that the video did not depict. She she said that the video depicted someone from Planned Parenthood and, saying that a <laughs> living fetus had to be killed and have its brain harvested for research. That's what she said. It did not happen. The video doesn't show that. No one has accused anybody the, at Planned Parenthood of doing that. To, the extent to which people have defended her on this ground, it's really amusing to me because I'm listening to people defend Carly Fiena saying things like, well, maybe it's not explicitly true, but there's like an emotional truth to it. That's like a legitimate argument that people have made. And I was like, whoo, I can't wait the next time some Democratic politician advances the same argument. Are you going to rip them apart as you should? Or are you going to be like, oh, well, you know, we made the emotional truth argument. So and just just to be consistent, uh, it's like emotional truth is for art. It's a level <laughs> it's not for politics. It's a level of deception <laughs> where if their political opponents were attempting it, they would be up in arms with torches lit and pitchforks brandished. But it's also great for Democrats because instead of talking about you know, there's a new tranche of Hillary Clinton emails released this week. Instead of that, we're talking about abortion, and that's an issue that, I, I, frankly, I don't think gets many people out to vote. And it kind of turns out, I mean, when you see all these white Republican dudes railing against, like, Cecil Richards, and you see Carly Fiorina straightforwardly lying about something, that's just like a whole week that's gone for 2016 for the, for the Republican Party. It's just, that's just gone. They lost the week, and now, and, and Democrats can sort of relax. And Planned Parenthood's approval ratings have gone up during the time this controversy has taken place. I just, uh, it's just noise. And as someone who's had to sit through five hours of that hearing, the whole time I'm like, what, what are we doing? Like, seriously, what are we doing? Like, if I could just walk in and interrupt and make them freeze for a second, like in the movies, and be like, look into the camera and be like, can anyone tell me what we're doing here? Well, we don't even have a goal. The, the, like, Jason, Jason Chaffetz, the chairman, is, like, firing rapid-fire questions at Cecile Richards, like, cutting her off. She starts to respond to a question. He cuts her off again, demands to know the answer of the question he just cut her off to. And then he's like, and I need you to tell me about this chart. And he puts a chart on the wall. And it's, really like, <laughs> it's like the most basic-looking chart you've ever seen. There's literally, like, a line going from the bottom left to the upper right, and then a line going from the upper left to the bottom right. Like, they're just crazy. It's crossing, and it's like abortions go way up, quote unquote life saving procedures go down. And what's and funny is the down <laughs> number is bigger than the number that's just, up. It was like I could have, like, a, a five year old could have made that, like, draw the big line, and it's just, there's no variation. It's just, but, but a fifth grader would not have been allowed to draw that because you would have had to keep the y axis numbers. Oh, constant. yeah. It, just, it was like, <laughs> what is this chart? I can't, I can't wait to put a bad chart that, like, someone like Jason Chaffetz would take issue with. Well, he's like, what I'm, is I'm, this about? I'm going to go out and find something very dear to Jason Chaffetz's heart. 
and publish a chart and publish a, a misleading chart like that on that hey, just to piss him I'm off. I'm just going to say the number of financial crises we've had since Jason Chaffetz was born way up and the way severity, up severity too. Well, the, way but up. the best the thing about that chart is not only was it like absurd looking and nobody knew where it came from. It was just like here's a chart like what you know abortions <laughs> up and Cecile Richards is like I don't. I don't know where that came from. I've never seen that, and it's not accurate. He's like, this came from your, your. It's only from your internal records. Right, and then, and then the lawyer she's is like, like, nah. And she's like, oh, my lawyer just told me that's actually from National Alliance for Life, which is a <laughs> pro-life organization, which doesn't know anything about our data. I mean, so you need to check your source. I mean, it was like that was his last big hard-hitting question before his time was up. He's well, like, well, we're gonna look into that. The Secret Service really bailed out uh, Jason Chaffetz this week, though, by uh, by. It being revealed that uh, that they had been they've been selectively releasing <coughs> leaking damaging information about him, uh, he looked like a real jerk after that hearing, and I think he just he he just sort of got got bailed out there. I feel some t- you know yeah yeah that's that's I don't so know. life is pain. <laughs> this is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back. We're in a great state of mind right now. Like a wonderful, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful state of mind. We're back with Arthur and Zach. I. We've been doing bong hits. <laughs> we are desperately trying to cure a giggle fit, and we're going to try to do that uh, by talking about another interesting thing that happened. Um, yeah, a couple interesting things. That's what this podcast purports to do. Okay, so. Uh, this week, our, our good friend Elizabeth Warren, uh, friend of the show, friend of the show, you know, unleashed unleashed the Kraken. She got a guy fired, man. Ooh. I thought she was against unemployment. Ooh, Ooh. Uh, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, and and a guy, um, you know, this dude is gonna land on his feet. Right. Yeah, he'll be employed. It's not like she got like a painter fired. Well, like a plumber, like, tip the guy's up. ladder over. Yeah, this story really gets to the heart of a, I think a really weird form of DC uh, soft corruption that people I think most people are not aware of. Inside the Beltway, it's so ubiquitous that people don't even think about yeah, it's it. It's like the water, right? Uh, I mean, he got fired from a job. Let's let's be clear that did not pay him anything. 
He, this man's name was Robert Lytton. Uh, he was a former economist with the Clinton administration, uh, and like many former members of the Clinton administration, he now makes a lot of money doing uh, economisty things uh, for wealthy interest groups. Um, but he's also a not he was until this week a non-resident fellow at the Brookings Institute, which is probably the most prestigious centrist think tank in Washington. Certainly, the only think tank that the Nixon administration contemplated firebombing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but but let's. But he's he's sort of like uh, for people who are familiar with Fox News, Pat Cadell, uh, who's a former aide to Jimmy Carter, who now goes on uh, on on Fox News and, and says, "Well, guys, you know, I even me, former Jimmy Carter liberal Pat Cadell, thinks that the Democrats have just gone too far here, and they really need to start doing things the Republicans are doing." That's sort of what uh, what Bob Litton does with with economics, and in fact, just just recently in July, he was at this hearing. Um, which, for anyone who remembers, we did a, a segment on this hearing, actually, because Elizabeth Warren really thrashed this guy from Primerica. Uh, so yep. go back and listen to that segment um, of the same hearing. And he, he literally opens the, uh, the hearing by, by saying, yeah, I, I, I hope you don't choke on your words, Senator Pat Roberts, Republican from Kansas, but I'm a lifelong Democrat and a former member of the Clinton administration. <laughs> And then he proceeds to beat up on uh, a liberal policy uh, proposed by the Obama administration and supported by Elizabeth Warren on retirement security. If you are managing a retirement account on behalf of a client, you have to manage that that account in the best interests of your client. You cannot manage that account in such a way that you maximize your own profits at your client's expense. Most people think that is already the law. It is not. Um, so if the Labor Department changes this, it means that people will stop getting ripped off so much. Um, and Bob Litton got up and said, actually, this will lead to a lot of people having to pay more for financial advice. Um, that made a lot of people scratch their heads because it sounded like something stupid that a industry group would have paid someone to say. And uh, it, turned, it out, turns out, <laughs> uh, he, wh- while being represented at the, at the panel, uh, at the hearing as a non-resident fellow at the Brookings Institute, uh, that study that he was discussing had actually been financed by the hilariously named Capital Group, um, which represents a very large mutual fund. Uh, it's not that hilarious. So anyway, <laughs> he said this stuff, and then what? Ha- what did Elizabeth Warren do? She, how did the, how did she make things change? This happened really fast. So she hadn't done it, this hearing was in July, but this week she sent a letter saying to, to Brookings saying, "Hey, this guy is going around purporting to represent your your institute, your think tank." And uh, and yet he's touting research that he got he personally got paid thirty eight thousand dollars by this Wall Street group um, to to perform. And th- this type of research happens all the time. When when you see that when someone touts a study that uh, that that purports a point of view, it's always worth asking who funded the study because there's this weird thing that interest groups tend to fund studies that say things that the interest groups like. Um, and so Warren was strongly implying that this study was bunk and corrupt and and it made the, the Brookings Institute look really bad. Uh, and so the Brookings Institute then forced Robert Lytton out uh, within a matter of hours after that letter now, was sent. Well, was it a question of the methodology of his study or was it merely that uh, he had broken the Brookings rule against not disclosing this potential conflict of interest. It was it was purely the disclosure issue. And, and, and actually, and, it wasn't even a disclosure issue. It was he didn't, if he had represented himself and given this information and taken the money from it and done all that without saying, oh, and by the way, I'm from the Brookings Institute, everything would have been fine. At, at the hearing. At the at hearing. The hearing. Right. He, he everything would still have been, been a fine. non-resident fellow at the Brookings Institute. He just would have <laughs> had to say, I'm, I'm an economist. I have a consulting group, and we were paid by this group. 
Uh, yeah, so, but that's, I mean, you mentioned how he's not paid by Brookings, but this explains the value of the association. Right. You, you want to be able to say you're with Brookings because they are so respected and they so assiduously make sure that yeah. they're centrist. But, like, re- really, the, the, when you talk about the soft corruption, I mean, it's good, it's good that Elizabeth Warren pointed this out, and I'm glad there were repercussions. Uh, but when you talk about the the sort of like soft, milky corruption that we all swim in all the time, and it's like, ew, man. We we <laughs> sometimes we don't even notice it. We're like we're like a goldfish in a goldfish bowl, or an Oreo swimming in corruption. Milky corruption. Uh, <laughs> it, it, eaten by Donald it, Trump. This would have been all this, Mexico. Everything would have been fine with as far as Brookings was concerned. Yeah, as long as he hadn't said in that hearing. And by the way, uh, non-resident fellow, Brookings Institute, and it hadn't been advertised in all of it. They would have happily taken him into their fold. They don't care if their uh, research fellows are taking money on the side. They don't care if they're misrepresenting uh, research that they're bought and paid to show for. Uh, All that matters is that they just leave us out of it. In, in in a hearing, for instance, if, yeah. if they're doing it, so they can do all of their their side corporate funded research that they want, um, but they can't talk about that research as a Brookings branded fellow at a, at a congressional hearing. Right. Um, and and this this is, you know, that that helps Brookings save money because it means they don't have to pay all their fellows, right? So effectively, Brookings is getting a subsidy for having this guy on staff from the Capital Group. Um, because Capital Group is paying him thirty-eight thousand dollars to do the study, uh, and and that's I mean I, I one of the things that I, I think people get confused about with Elizabeth Warren and and her her sort of controversy and the controversial nature of her career so far in Washington is that they they they, they tend to portray it as, as like oh well, she's super liberal she's super progressive that's actually not what freaks people out inside the Beltway about her they pl- you know her policy agenda is probably not going to happen anytime soon, right? Breaking up the banks, bringing back Glass-Steagall. These things are things that progressives would love, but, but you know... And just- also, these, these policies we talk about being liberal, they're really just the short part of what should be any senator's brief. Right. I mean, yeah. they're, they're not even that, that you know, left-wing. Um, but, the, but they're not... They're, you know, people, you know, centrists inside the Beltway aren't freaking out about that. They're freaking out about her going around saying, actually, the standard operating, like, career path in Washington is a form of corruption and is problematic. And when people do things that are corrupt, I'm going to call them out about, on it, and I'm not going to accept people like that inside the Democratic Party. Um, that's a pretty big deal because there's a lot of people who are career Democrats, almost everybody, in fact, who's been through the revolving door in some way or another and done something mm, kind of skeezy at some point in time right, yeah, that's true. Uh, for, for their career and because that's how Washington works. And so what, what Warren is doing is saying, I don't want, you know, even though she's not passing bills and changing, you know, the, 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 the architecture of the financial landscape, she is, you know, shining a very bright spotlight on the ethical culture in Washington and showing just how bad it's gotten because the revolving door stuff 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it was there, but it was seen as sort of a fringe part of the Beltway culture. Now it has become so ingrained in how people operate here um, that that people don't even think twice about it. And so when Warren calls them out, it, it freaks everyone out. And it's out. not the only time she's done something of this nature where she's uh, attacked an outside uh, group that's trying to have influence on Congress. Right. Well, and I mean, look, I mean, th- there was the uh, the Anthony Weiss appointment in Treasury. There was Larry Summers' uh, potential nomination to be Fed chairman. I mean, she's been she's been going after individuals uh, and quite successfully so far. Her track record at, at blocking people from these these positions when she goes after them has been pretty. Do you small. know what else is very interesting about the what she's how she's doing that 
is she's also not sneaking around dropping like oppo dump on some favorable reporter. She's actually standing up and signing her name to these things. She's not trying to like tip people off and do it some shady way. She will stand up and say, nah, you don't belong being a part of this this organization and here's why. You don't belong uh, being part of this party and here's why. We need someone who doesn't have your ethical conflicts of interest. And what's interesting is that a lot of the people, I think, inside the Democratic Party who complain about what she does, especially that Weiss, that Weiss appointment that went down, a lot of people said, well, if a guy like that can't get a job, where are you going to find a guy? <laughs> and it, it, there's, there's this kind of been this like open acceptance that as bad as some of these people are, and I can, I can we, we can spend all day talking about some of the people from the Bill Clinton administration who fit this bill. As bad as some of these people are, as conflicted as they are, and as much damage as they've done, we still got to keep dealing with them. You know, they're the experts. There's this kind of like gnawing idea that there's no other members uh, who are ancillary to the Democratic Party who have expertise in financial issues than the same old Rubenites and whatnot. And, and to, to be clear, there are people who go who go from the government to the private sector who are not terrible when they come back to the government. I mean, um, they're just they're just hard to find. You have to be very careful about them. So there's not a hard and fast rule about about how this stuff, uh, you know, ought to be conducted in every single case. Uh, case in point is Gary Gensler, who was chairman of the CFTC, a major Wall Street regulator who was very tough. Uh, when he was at the CFTC after being at, at Goldman Sachs, um, but but you could you could imagine you know as, as a pretty simple regulations designed to to curb this stuff. You, know, you have to have a waiting period of several years between these things, or just or just have you know presidents who really give a shit about whether people are are fundamentally corrupt or not. Um, and you know we we just we, we just haven't seen that from either party in a while. So that's what happened this week. This podcast was produced, edited, and engineered by Adriana Ucero and Peter James Callahan with technical assistance from Christine Canetta and spiritual guidance from Caitlin Bogucki, our trap queen. I'm Jason Lincolns, and this week we were joined by Wisconsin Representative Reed Ribble and Huffington Post reporters Jen Bendery, Zach Carter, and Arthur Delaney. So That Happened is available on iTunes. Check us out in the iTunes store, and while you're there, look for the Huffington Post whole family of podcasts. Subscribe and tell your friends. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about, send us an email at so that happened at HuffingtonPost.com. As always, we thank you for listening, and we miss you already. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. Mm. 